Hey, Tucker. Hey, Todd. This part's going to be pre-recorded, so act professional, okay? I'll do my best. This is the Tucker and Toddcast, a podcast in which we write adventure stories for our YouTube sketch show. I'm Tucker. And I'm Todd. Okay, now we can get on to the show. Hooray! <sighs> Confetti. Oh, sure. So I know the German, but I can't figure out the French. Don't judge me. It means me. goodbye. I don't judge. Yavol. I... I pass judgment, but then it's passed. Oh, I like that. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> I pass judgment. Don't worry. It's over yeah, now. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over now. As you slightly stroke the hair. Oh, yeah. Or just like the, the back of your fingers along a cheek. Do you feel yeah, in charge? Hush, hush now. <laughs> do, you, do you feel in charge? <laughs> this is extremely uncomfortable situation yeah that the more (laughs) intimate you can make it the more intimidating it is (laughs) the priest is like are you gonna take it away for her or not (laughs) (laughs) i mean any situation the 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 kid behind the counter at uh, 7 7 7 11 i was gonna oh hell yeah absolutely He's like, you can't do that. I'm in charge here. So you got to grab him by the shirt collar and pull him over the counter and you stroke <laughs> his cheek really slowly and then put your lips up to his ear and just be like, do you feel in charge? He oh. never forgets that. That's a story he tells for the rest of his life. I think that's the story he dre- He never, ever tells anyone <laughs> and just kind of <laughs> locks it away in a box in his brain and never opens it again. Oh, boy. That goes, okay. in, the, that goes in the trauma bin. That is a trauma bin. Yeah, that's that's a deathbed confession thing. I'm trying to figure out what we have operating for our premise this week. I remember it was something I was excited about. March 23rd. All right, I didn't do any research today. I'm just going to go through everything that we've posted. The alphabetical order versus chronological order. We wanted to bring them in. Oh, yeah. the way The way we describe them, they really should be major players in this although maybe they have been and we haven't noticed them i feel i feel like we would have at least mentioned them when we first proposed that they existed so i think that they've been talked about in the early stages of the season but we just didn't say like kind of <laughs> exactly what they were doing but we were did talking we, about did we introduce re- them outside of the premises channel I, I really don't know i feel like we talked about them i, I like sure i feel hope like so. I, I feel like I just brought them up as a like, should we do something with this? Chron- I think we talked about them for like five minutes and then moved on. I sure hope so, because they should be integral. But if they're not, the chronological order, I feel like we had to have the chronological order and the alphabetical order are two ancient. Are we calling them cults? Ancient sects, at least. Yeah, they're uh I mean, they might be cults, but there are also special interest groups. They're they're like various flavors of the Illuminati. Are they a cabal? Ooh, yeah, I love that word. It doesn't get used often enough. They are no. two rival cabals. <laughs> yeah, two two balls. I can, this is this. You know how weird. Do you do you? This is one of my OCD things. Do you store away memories of when you learned words? No, but I do store away a, a couple of memories of the first times that I've used them. Yeah, I, I I clock encountering them, and I remember learning the word Kabbalist specifically from the Burning Crusade. Nice. I learned Kabbalist from 
classic Diablo. Well, I guess that would be in there, wouldn't it? Yes, there are Kabbalists and Advocates, and they're all the same enemy type. And they what about shit my life. They shit my life just all over the place. Because <laughs> I was I was an idiot, and I played Diablo as a warrior. I haven't. I played Diablo three when it came out, and I played as a witch doctor, and that's all the experience I have with Diablo. I played it with you for a little bit. Did you? Well, I joined. Yeah, I, I joined one of your games and killed a thing. I was I was very impressed with myself because I killed it with some stupid cheese. I might remember that. That was, whenever that was, two thousand fourteen or something. Yeah, it was back in ancient times. You know, during the Nixon administration. Yeah. Anyhow, the chronological. We need some help from the chronological order. And these orders, the chronological order insists that time should exist in in chronological order. Yes, they as they, it does. They maintain the linear flow of time. They're the status right. quo guys. They keep things going as they are. And if we want things to to continue to progress as they are, then we're on their team. And they're on ours. So we want them. Right. the alphabetical order want to completely turn reality topsy turvy. They want everything not in chronological order, but in alphabetical order, which means events go wherever their spelling allocates them. And so what I had proposed in the thread was that the episode begins. I don't know if this is necessary. The episode begins with a deep history flashback of their origins. That's kind of what we're doing now. Uh, because I feel once again that we've already established there was a scenario that took place and there was some character involved and an offshoot of that was these orders formed. I can't remember what we did with it, though. I, I, I the... like this idea, though. We can get we can get some text on the screen and it just says 10,000 years ago. And there's <laughs> yeah. just like two guys in a cave. One of them has a bone. One of them has a stick. And they're, <laughs> they're just, ugh. oh, th this is how we introduce the forbidden words to... <laughs> The oh, forbidden sounds. Idea. The forbidden sounds. You can't say "ug," <laughs> but these two guys can't agree about how things should be ordered in a day because that's their entire conception of time. It's just from sun high till sun low. Yeah, are they trying to do like charcoal drawings on a cave wall or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, they're trying to. Even back then, people were struggling to schedule their lives. And so those guys basically are what splits into the the alphabetical. One is one is happy. One the, the alphabetical simply didn't understand the the linear time concept, and so they they understood the alphabet that they'd come up with. Yeah, he just he just fully disagreed with everything being arranged based on when it happens. That's that's awful. That's oh, terrible. is that is that why certain words were taboo? Was because they weren't in alphabetical order? Oog, you're supposed to say goo. <laughs> is that does that mean each order actually has their own forbidden sounds i guess they would 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 the the chronological number has they had no negative numbers oh yeah they would they would be very numbers focused they probably wouldn't care so much about your vocabulary if they got into the, the really troubling practice of using words in the order that they were invented in people would be struggling to ever communicate <laughs> Do they also insist that no numbers can be div are like infinitely divisible? Is that like that's like an existential crisis? That that's that's a heresy. <laughs> that seems like exactly the kind of thing that would be a heresy. So they, a did, heresy, they have like witch heresy hunts or a blasphemy. I don't remember the difference between them. 
but that's atheism. One one of them is a a denial, and the other one is an actual direct contravention. Time I to ask the, the heresy. Internet. I think the heresy is the contravention. That is my. That's the, what I'm placing my bet. Ah, on. yeah, belief or opinion contrary to orthodox religious doctrine. Heretic. Well, heretics are the type of people that like, I like to hang out with Kabbalists and acolytes and whatnot. Oh, great. It's actually, it's not a two-way fight. It's a three-way fight between blasphemy, heresy, and sacrilege. Oh, boy. Oh, my, I should say. Blaspheme is things said against religion or God, while sacrilege is desecration, profan- profanation, misuse, or violation of something regarded as sacred. And I guess heresy is doing the opposite of what you're told. So blas- blaspheme is spoken. <laughs> Blasphemy is just speaking out in defiance. I suppose if if you say the chronological order is wrong, that's blasphemy. If you say right. that negative numbers exist, that's heresy. <laughs> if you use chronology to justify alphabetology, that's sacrilege. Oh, I like that. I After five seconds of Google, I assume I'm an expert. It sounds like you're an expert. That sounded pretty expert to me. Yeah, well, it's easy to fake. I had the same teacher as Ben Shapiro. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've established what these things are, the way that we were going to introduce that into our present was that the crew, who are still in the outside, get outside blooped back into the real world, and whatever brief... Oh, I need to read this. The crew are blooped back into the real world, and whatever brief interaction they had with either members of the Order or a MacGuffin... Send them on a Da Vinci Code national treasure hunt for another MacGuffin that will be key to factory resetting the God computer. Although we have since decided that rather than factory reset, it'll have to be to a restore point. A factory reset would basically get rid of the operating system. We'd be back to the primordial soup. Yeah, and I like like the idea of a restore point. And as we discussed, I like that that leaves it vulnerable for later stuff. Yeah, we we restore from a backup, but it... It's probably a buggy, buggy black backup. You said it might be the uh, restore point is the threat because everyone thinks it's a factory reset, which might undo history all the way back to zero, zero. It might be the chronological order who are threatening to initiate it. In order to restore the integrity of the timeline, they would do anything. Let's let's never forget that they're still zealots. Right. And then the other parts of the story that I was also trying to bring into this episode were what's going on with Plato, Columbo, and then Jeff Bridges and Phantasology. And we said that since Elrond had sent somebody... So Bridges is currently en route to the space station, right? He yeah. was going to go up there. Yep, he's in his, his great big heck and chonker uh, ironmonger suit. <laughs> yeah, added up to the space station. It's barely going to fit in the hangar. And then, yeah, so the word specifically that you said, you said there, there, I said, Plato knows several people from the order. Also, what's Columbo been up to? And you said trying to keep a lid on the situation by closing outside portals. And I said, I think that's something Jeff Bridges would be up to as well. So maybe if he goes, he goes up to the space station and as you said, hands over the keys, he sees that it's kind of, it's kind of useless to try to fight to maintain a hold over fantasology because the the likes of Alrond and Basilbub together is too much to fight for, so he's willing to hand over the keys and then kind of disappear uh, to start going around Earth and closing portals. Is that what we're imagining? I figure I figure he's smart enough to realize that trying to fight uh, Abaddon 
at the same time as he's trying to deal with these outside portals is probably untenable. It's just too much of a division of his attention. That and the whatever resources Fantasology really has, they've probably been depleted. Right. Oh, and then, yeah, I forgot. And then at the end, that's why it boiled down into perhaps Plato, not Plato, Columbo and Jeff Bridges cross paths. And you said a celestial being in a rogue eldritch abomination buddy cop movie. Do we like that idea still? <laughs> yeah, they probably hate each other. And the more they hate each other, the funnier it is to make them work together. I'm just trying to imagine. I need a picture of Peter Falk. Peter Falk. And Jeff Bridges like smushed into a car together. Yeah, there's uh, there's Jeff Bridges in a bathrobe with his sunglasses on, and there's Peter Falk in a raincoat with matching <laughs> sunglasses on. But he's got a cigar, and uh, Jeff Bridges has a white Russian. So Peter Falk is definitely driving, and Jeff Bridges is reclined all the way, and is very much of the attitude like "Wake me up when we get there." Oh yeah, that seems very dude. Oh, and then, but I'm, um, and then Columbo like takes hard turns the moment his eyes start closing or whatever. Like, like he's his little, uh, yeah, can't let him sleep. Just, I just imagine uh, Jeff's head bonking off the window because of too hard of a turn. Then he sits up. What the hell, man? <laughs> Come on. I guess that would be uh, Columbo's opportunity to give him a dismissive. Sorry, dude. I was trying to think of. In one phrase thing. <laughs> I was trying to think of phrases that rhyme with tied the room together that could be applied to a car scenario, but I wasn't coming up with anything. My brain got stuck on fried to the broom, and that has nothing to do with anything. Oh, but a ride a broom is a witch thing. We'll come back to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we should probably give that back to Winona at some point. We really ride the broom together. I think that's something that Tucker and Todd will have to say to each other, just like in a, in a really brief aside. One of them would say it after Jeff Bridges hits his head on the window, like on, on the passenger side window, he gets his head bonked. And then suddenly the, the audience perspective is in the outside. We ride the broom together. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea what that. <laughs> and then it flashes right back. <laughs> They're both like looking around stunned. Like who said that? Like where'd that where'd that even come from? Did, did did you say that? I don't I don't know. I don't know. And then the perspective immediately flashes back to the dude with his head pinging off the side window. What the hell, man? What we do echoes into eternity. Okay, so are we, are we staying with them for a while then? How do how does this come about? We go from do we go does the, the so the episode starts with order history? Yes. We get to and do then the 10th. We... Oh, we, I think it should come from multiple cuts of history, of course. So the, like the 10,000 years ago, we see the caveman experience. Oh, yeah. 5,000 years ago, we get to see them like living in Akkad or some, some ancient Sumerian city. Once again, drawing lines in the sand about how best to, you know, do all of these things. Only their, their ideas get bigger and bigger as you know, civilization and the people in it become more sophisticated and more able to articulate complicated thoughts. Oh, does so, the, so the, the, the the list of forbidden sounds grows? Do they both have to stay like kind of like they kind of end up going underground at some point? I don't know. Or do they both are they both quite like legitimate? Do they become like well-known corporations? Uh, I mean, 
one of them you can tell has a pretty big stake in the public library system. Right. Oh, do Dewey Decimal was like was one definitely of one of the was definitely one of the alphabetologists. <laughs> <laughs> he had his little uh, Illuminati tattoo uh, as a tramp stamp. He's like venerated when you go through like the halls of alphabetology or whatever. They've got oh, like the, the yeah. hallway with all of the important people. They stop and they look at the light shining down on our our famed ancestor, Dewey Decimal. One of their one of their saints. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. Saint Dewey. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's probably funnier if each of these orders has actually managed to integrate themselves into various aspects and layers and levels of society. Well, because that kind of brings that kind of brings the uh, the Da Vinci Code sort of thing. Into oh, yeah. It right? was the idea oh, yeah. that all that stuff became something. Yeah, they're still here, but they've they've got their fingers in a few pies now. So, I mean, they probably masquerade as mega corporations now of some kind. But at the at the root of it, you know, in the back rooms, there is a secret upper echelon that happens to belong to the orders. And of course, this order runs this business and that order runs that business. And I assume alphabetology probably struggles a bit with business (laughs) just because of the way they uh, strategize and organize. Businesses outside of something like the Library of Congress, although I believe even that happens to have some chronological order to it as well. Yeah, it would. I'm now trying to think of how, like what, what I was trying to think if it was like a three letter organization that that the alphabetical order became. But there are three letters that are out of alphabetical order. And that's the sort of they're like, and that's how we knew no one would ever. We did. We're hiding in plain sight. (laughs) The FBI. (laughs) Nobody would ever suspect us. (laughs) It hurts. It it hurts them every time somebody says the, the name too. (laughs) we had to struggle the whole time we've been wincing and cringing but it's a sacrifice we have to make did you say the the fbi (laughs) (laughs) all this all this time that's why there are so many unsolved cases because everything's organized alphabetically instead of chronologically (laughs) so we're having serious trouble following clue paths Oh yeah, there's just a million. You go inside the the no, I was gonna say the Pentagon or whatever. You go in the FBI headquarters, and it's all these these uh, meeting rooms and cubicles filled with guys doing the 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 red string mind map thing. But they're all in alphabetical order. And no, yeah, nobody can solve any crimes because nothing makes sense. Okay, we need to invent a new bureau just just because of this. I somehow. They retain their government funding because of, you know, ties to, I don't know, Big Pharma. But they, they're they an agency that has basically zero arrests, except for one or two accidental <laughs> ones. And like all the cases where people turn themselves in, those were lucky breaks. And yet somehow they're still in operation. You don't need to be good if you have a government contract. I'm trying to throw in like, what would, what would be the one thing that they were good at, though, because of their alphabetizing? Organizing a library, not an ar- not an archive, just a library. They haven't solved a single crime, but have you seen their library? It's immaculate. Some the, that is that is the one thing where there is overlap between the two orders, 
they both they both uh, split things up into genre. Oh, so is that how we have some overlap in the story then? Is after we've shown all these different periods that these these orders exist and how they've evolved, then we cut to the story the 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 story of um Jeff Bridges going to, to space and then coming back down and then doing heroic stuff at a at a portal closes it happens that as the portal closes a figure appears on the other side of it it's Columbo and they 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 put together they agree on some sort of ramshackle buddy cop agreement where let's you've got a car I don't it was going to be hard to get around um, yeah. and- <laughs> I like that they both they're both like you Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Bridges' Ironmonger suit gets destroyed by something that comes out of the portal or the portal itself, so he's left without a ride. Right. And yeah, they both do that Spider-Man pointing at each other thing. You! As soon as that portal's closed, because they were both on either side of it and they didn't know. And so they're like, you, what are you doing here? Well, I'm trying to close this portal and, you know, take control of things. Maybe Columbo's got like an old Lincoln Continental. Oh yeah, it's got to be an old, old, uh, not not like a cool classic car, but an old, you know, old guy car. It was old when he got it, and he's an eldritch abomination. Oh, it's like a Buick or something. It's got wood paneling. <laughs> That's fun. It's literally the goof, the goof. What is that movie called? The Goofy movie? It's the Goofy movie car. Now I got to see this. Yeah, old station wagon. Um, so they go, they're doing their buddy thing. And then, so the next, the next portal that they get to, they find a bunch of, of, of like black sedans gathered around and that's their first interaction with the FBI. And they start squinting their eyes like, oh, these guys, they've showed up. We've got to start paying attention to what they're up to. Just, just to, just to take a step back. I think the, uh, the moment where Bridges and Columbo decide to roll together is an important piece that should be elaborated on a little bit. Oh, definitely. They both, they both kind of, they both cant their eyes to the now ruined Ironmonger suit. And of course, Columbo is now getting into his station wagon. He's getting into his car and Bridges is just kind of picking through the pieces of his old suit, seeing if there's anything salvageable. And Columbo cruises by slowly with the windows down and they both just kind of exchange glances. And in unison, they probably sigh and without a without a spoken word, Columbo unlocks the doors and Bridges gets in. Hmm. Do we do we milk that even more? Then did they were they having some sort of like because I guess that maybe they have history. Are they are they kind of ribbing each other or not even ribbing each other, but having kind of like one of those old man? They're having what's a what is it the grumpy old men kind of um, back and forth volley. And then as he gets in his car, because they've been having it kind of trailed off as he rolls by Columbo does the and one more thing. But then he notices that Jeff is kind of like, um, what's the word out in the cold or whatever. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff is a bit melancholic. He's got the tear forming in the corner. He's staring forlornly at his suit and then off at some kind of calamity in the distance. I don't I don't know if they have like a shared history so much as they're aware of what each other are and the implications of that maybe maybe they maybe they do have a history but it's kind of like an angel and a demon who've never met each other getting together the angel already doesn't trust the demon because like even though they don't they've never met they've got a preconceived notion as to what the other is oh so i was gonna say yeah so they don't have a history but they do they they have like a sort of spidey sense about each other where they're like hmm they have a shared history of uh like racial animosity right 
if if what either of them are could be considered a race a classification yeah, a, a classification of being but yeah a, a shared history of animosity between their two kinds of beings entities yes and and being what they are they both immediately see through the sort of human disguise right oh which, do they have which, a would they both say like you're not what you look like or whatever yeah and that's kind of an opportunity for us to like see each of them through the other's lenses in a way mm. which means which means that Columbo's like a bag of tentacles in a trench coat it's just something horrifying <laughs> <laughs> and then jeff bridges is just like himself but like with a pair of dinky little angel wings and a halo <laughs> the little halo yeah and like he's still in a bathrobe and flip-flops <laughs> so you know not not a huge disguise but a disguise yeah i like that I like the idea that his robe the whole time has been like an angel's robe, but he's just been wearing it since he descended. Yeah, it it really tied the room together. <laughs> That's why he liked that rug so much as he brought it down from the seven heavens with him. Oh, that's fun. His uh, his Elysian rug. Yeah, exactly. The Elysian rug. That's what it is. It's now it's now one of the heavenly artifacts right up there with the Ark of the Covenant. Well, now it's a MacGuffin. The, uh, this the spear is, of this the is... spear of destiny. <laughs> Chekhov's Elysian rug. Elysian <laughs> rug. <laughs> that got pissed on. <laughs> Whoa, okay, we really haven't treated this well. Oh, that's okay. interesting. He has like they have their version of angel. They have like heaven's cue, and so when when Jeff Bridge Jeff Bridges finally does make it back to heaven, uh, what's his name? Who was? Uh, why am I can never remember names? Who was uh, who? Cleese. John Cleese was a cue at a certain point. I feel like he was Pierce Brosnan's cue, wasn't he? Oh yeah. So John Cleese is up there, old man, white hair Cleese, and he sees the state. Good God, at the state of the uh, the Elysian rug. Ooh, he's like some kind of a heavenly butler who's actually more regal and austere than any king or queen. Oh, yeah. Michael the Archangel. Do we, are we going to go that high up in the celestial hierarchy? I don't know. I can't remember any other names of any other angels. Just make up Nebuchadnezzar. a Nebuchadnezzar. Was, ne was Nebuchadnezzar an angel? I'll bet no, you, Nebuchadnezzar I'll was bet you that was an ancient king. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's always Gabriel. He's like the redheaded stepchild of the archangels. Oh yeah, Gabriel was it? He was important. He was he was like the mouthpiece or whatever. That was the Metatron. <clears throat> oh yeah, but but also I think Gabriel's was just like a messenger. I think I think he was too. I think a lot of angels did that job. So I don't know what the Metatron's job really was. He's the manager of the messengers. Like if everybody can just be assigned to do your job, you don't have a job. It sucks that heaven is a hierarchy. And we have no idea where Jeff Bridges ranks in it. No, that's or, true. Or ranked. We've we've established that he's kind of a fallen angel, but it's more like a screw you, dad, I'm I'm moving out. Yeah, did we make did we make him brothers with Jeff? Yes, the, the Jeffs the Jeffs are brothers. Although I'm pretty sure all angels regard each other as brothers. Yeah, I guess so. No sisters. That's a that's a crime against Angelhood. Angel manity. An yeah, angelity. Human. Angelity. Human. Angelity. Yeah, you got to move some syllables around. 
Yeah. I was actually uh, wrestling with uh, masculinizing. (laughs) Because we've got feminizing. Feminizing is easy. Do you masculinize or do you masculize or what? Masculinize. I I think I'm pretty sure we're not even allowed to. Demasculinate. But I I did demasculate. That means it must be masculize. Well, because you... that's emasculating. Is that a thing? It sure is. Don't Google it, though. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) e-masculating. That's the new popular thing on on, uh, Twitch. I definitely recommend against trying to Google it. You will get some really weird ad pop-ups after that. Some e-masticating. I'm on Omegle emasculating. Okay, anyways. Jesus. Well, we're hey, going to Reddit. Cool. We're going to Reddit. R masculating. R slash masculating. You haven't been kicked off the RTC at all yet. No, no, I haven't. And I just jinxed it. <laughs> no, I, th- I think we're good. I think, I think the uh, push to talk had a, a significant amount of contribution to that issue. Yeah. Okay. So, are we now the 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 buddies are now in their car? They're now cops. Yeah, they've they're now in the car. And they are ribbing at each other. What do you care if all of this comes apart? Or do they once again have a uh, a holiday road moment where uh, Jeff Bridges is sleeping in the passenger seat and and um, Columbo is driving. And as they're driving, the the Fargo cops drive by in a red Ferrari and he has a like a eyes, a gog moment or whatever. Did our, where did our boys get a red Ferrari? It's been know. a good year. Doing... A good year? Oh, yes, a good year for it. Yes, their business. I was just trying to do the the vacation thing. The TV show really took off. Oh, yeah, that's true. They are minor celebrities. (laughs) Oh, but that's funny. Okay, it's not the Ferrari gig. It's just them following their their uh, fugitive. Oh, they're still chasing that guy. Yeah, we passed them. (laughs) Yeah, we passed them because they're going in. They're going slow in the slow lane. They're 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 actually pulling into an off ramp to go gas up and stop to eat. They're they're even splitting the bills these days. Oh yeah, they 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 take turns picking which restaurant to stop at. Yeah, are you sure you won't come with us? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, where do you want to eat? Oh, then do we even pass them on the highway? Do we actually like? It's part of a montage or whatever. They the the Jeff and Columbo stop for for lunch at a diner, and and the Fargo cops are in there having lunch with their fugitive. Maybe they keep uh, running into them. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it would be kind of funny to pass them by at one point, and then somehow many hours later, we're eating at the same place as them, despite leaving them way behind. Oh yeah, we've left them way behind. Then they're they're yeah they're having lunch, and then they see yeah, the three they, enter, they and they like, kind of wave at them. They were there before us. I what? I thought we <laughs> didn't respect physics. What is happening? Oh, that's when the chronological order shows up and arrests them. Oh, that's actually a really good segue. They these guys have defied the correct order of things. Is that our segue then? That's how we get rid of the Fargo cops and move it over to our uh, buddy cops interacting with one of the orders. Rather than meeting rather than meeting them at a, at a quote unquote crime scene. That's interesting. I have a feeling that both uh, Columbo and Bridges would actually keep their heads down upon citing the, the uh, chronological order because both of them are sort of uh, chronological anomalies. 
Yeah, they don't necessarily respect linear time either. That's right. They're not subject to it. They're kind of omnipresent. Well, that's interesting. Oh, fuck these guys. They hide behind their newspaper or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of keep their head down. Bridges puts his sunglasses back on. They kind of just try to look inconspicuous. He he puts on his Marx Brothers sunglasses. <laughs> I forgot we had those. Yeah, the sunglasses with the mustache on them. Oh, yeah. They're they're great. The big fake nose. And oh, I think, and Colombo disguises think... himself as mom. Ooh. He takes off his disguise. Very interesting. If he took off his disguise, everybody there would be quite terrified. I guess that's true. He just he just puts on the mom skin. Yeah. He's he's probably a shapeshifter. He just like <laughs> does the mystique thing. Does Jeff Bridges then have some sort of he's probably not expecting that, but he's also not totally phased when they look back and he sees that he's mom style. What's this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just works like that. Uh, since Bridges has no idea who mom is, it's that's more of a, a treat for the audience. Is that an actual clip from the movie or is this from think this so. is from first class or whatever? I think so. They really that the the uh, body art really gives her tits that she doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I regret to say that I was actually thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> and I uh, was we need I was wondering if the shape shifting would uh, that would be the first thing anybody would notice with the shape shifting. Oh, that's sort of funny. Is that it, it gives Columbo boobs. There's like a horny teenager in the diner who notices nobody else notices except him. Oh, yeah. If anybody would notice, that's who it would be. Boobs. I I, I don't think it would take Bridges by surprise, though, because he probably uh, sees through the disguise anyways. Right. As we've as we've established, if if he's even capable of perceiving the disguise, it's all an illusion. He probably just can't see it in the first place. Like if you can see through an illusion, you can't you can't tell an invisible person is invisible. I'm trying to figure out because in my mind, mom is not like particularly stunning, probably. Um, and uh, I'm just trying I, to think I of, assume she's quite stereotypically matronly. I think she's just I've, in my mind, she's just the Covenant Hobbs mom is probably yeah, how I would end up illustrating her anyways. I think I would want to describe her not as unattractive, but as ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, it's a disguise. Thinking. It's not supposed to draw attention. Yeah, she's not a pinup model. But so I was just trying to think of like uh, a line that I don't think Bridges would be surprised, but I think he would make some sort of like dry commentary on the difference in costume. Maybe you can be anyone you want, like, and that's what you yeah, chose. You can be anyone, yeah, you can be anyone. And why do you choose these two old bags? No one would ever suspect. The point is it's, to be covert. Yeah. And the thing is, in 2022, Columbo is covert. Nobody covert, I say. Nobody knows who he is. Yeah, no kidding. I, I've now watched like a couple of seasons of Columbo. I, I counted his research. Uh, it's actually not the kind of detective uh, program that I like. I don't like knowing the answer until the end. Every episode of Columbo, you get to see what happens, and then you get to see how Columbo reaches that conclusion. Right, because it starts with you seeing what happens wrong, right? Yeah. So it becomes more about his process than it becomes about solving a mystery. Is his process interesting? Is he like autistic or something? He is interesting. He's very clever, uh, mostly because because it's it, much like our our Columbo. He is deliberately 
kind of underestimated. Right. He puts on this kind of bumbling air of middling levels of comp- competence or less. Like he he would show up. He underplays with his, shirt. his skill. He would show up with his shirt buttoned incorrectly, with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. You know, his his tie isn't tied quite right. His shirt's not properly tucked. I He's do, I like, do you like the idea of a guy. Expect anything of. I like the idea of a guy showing up to do his job with a cigar. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, also in 2022. That's something that's unheard of. But yeah, he's and it's it's pretty clear right away that it's rather deliberate. I mean, maybe he's kind of a bit of a mess of a guy on naturally, but he does nothing to dissuade anybody from underestimating him. He takes advantage of it at every opportunity. Right. OK, I like that. Where do you watch it? I might have to. Is it just on YouTube that you're watching this? Pretty much. Sounds like good second monitor content. That's what I use it for. And so, yeah, that's what uh, that's what Columbo probably chose that form for here is that he's just somebody to otherwise dismiss, which is the point. The point of a disguise is not to stand out. Right. Which is what he says to Bridges. Who does stand out. Who does? Because he's not really wearing a disguise so much as he's just hiding a couple of things. He's, he's cosplaying as one of his characters. <laughs> yeah, he got into acting and now he can't let it go. I was bitten by the stage bug or whatever the thing is that they say. The acting bug? The drama bug? Oh yeah, one of those. He's been bitten by all those bugs. And so now he must act. Oh, oh, well, hang on. Hang uh, on. Do, do you guys hear that? That sounds yeah. like that sounds like the ad bell. Your ad. Bring out your James. ad. Hey, I think we've got an ad. Yeah, hang on. I think we've got something right over here. An ad. What? Nothing. Oh, before we get started, I know we've got a scribe, but do we have our subscribe? Make sure we have our subscribe. <laughs> Who's the scribe? I think you said that Craig was the scribe. Oh, well, then that means Stan is the subscribe. Right. He comes out in a little hat. Yeah, he's got uh, a quill and parchment. He's old fashioned. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Like Even a though page he, boy. he's not the scribe, he's got the kit. Oh, and the parchment has to come out of Craig, <clears throat> like he's a printer, but it comes out blank and then... Craig has to actually manually write on it. Or Stan. I've already fucked this up. Yes, yes, the subscribe is here. That's good enough. I'll figure out how to make it work later. Hooray! Um, but our problem for tonight that we're trying to write an ad for is that there's too many mas- is it that there's too many masculine ads or that there's just too much masculinity in the world? The product feminizes or demasculinizes? Oh man. What's the difference? That, yeah, that's a whole new conversation. <laughs> what is the difference? And well, can, is it is it a is it a delineating scale? Is it a spectrum with femininity on one side and masculinity on the other? Are they two entirely different value scales that can coexist? My God, the whole world's gone topsy turvy. I need a product. Yeah, I guess the way that I was sort of imagining it when I said that way, when I said demasculinizes or feminizes, that I guess I was imagining two different scales, both which would be going to like an androgynous center. So. What it actually does is it degenders. 
Yeah. So this is the product degenders, no matter what the pre-gender was. I mean, that is the correct uh, solution to too much masculinity is to just degender it. The al- the alternative is to just reinforce feminine social stereotypes, which I don't know. I'm pretty sure everybody's tired of those, except for uh, stockings. Those can stay. <clears throat> stockings. I want to. Re- You're allowed to keep through. one thing. Women confidently playing sports, doing the cold water in the face and the deep breath, looking in the mirror to go confront the boss or something. A deodorant commercial that had something like that in it. Oh, <laughs> so how does this ad go? So if it degenders, do we show it degendering all things or are we mostly showing it degendering masculine things? And then at the end, they're like, but also it actually also works on things that aren't masculine. Interesting. How, uh, hmm. What? is an inanimate object that is ostensibly masculine that we could use this product on. Would it be an object that's masculine or are we demonstrating a trope and then it degenders the like the situation? All right, let's let's have a masculine trope and then we're going to deconstruct it, degender it. We we need concrete examples if we're going to pull them apart and uh yeah, basically now, castrate now, them. Now I'm trying to think of masculine ads, but that, that's our problem is that we were saying like we don't remember what fem- feminine ads look like because we haven't seen ads forever. And I'm trying to think of. Well, that's okay. the thing is they're they're highly degendered these days. That's what about true. like, yeah, pump and iron. That's that's the thing. Men at the gym. That is definitely a thing that would be traditionally masculine, but it's also something that I've seen a zillion and nine ads of women doing. Yeah, that's oh. interesting. Because who was it? Who was was it? Gillette that got in, got a bunch of flack because they they were trying to like very very uh, egregiously degender or regender their ads. Is that so? Hmm. So egregiously. So they did it in a way well, that was actually stupid. Well, they were like coming out and saying like masculine doesn't have to be what we've been saying it has the whole time. Gillette, it's whatever you make of it, or something like that. I mean, they have been selling down two different lanes all this time for and and ba- so what they're they're just trying to shift it all shoehorn it into a single lane now. They um referenced bullying and so Gillette made like a a little advert like short film and you know how their slogans like a best the best a man can get. Right, yeah. Um they replaced it with the best men can be. Ooh. Kind of, um, that is kind of spicy. That's a scathing. It's a, that's a scathing indictment of all men. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that explains why people got a little bit mad about it. Hmm. They, they're calling out toxic masculinity. It's basically like, come on, guys, you can do better. But it those things are never good when they're kind of paint with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. So then, do we invent? do we invent some overly masculine situations like we open on just like a whole bunch of men who are half naked they're they're all shaving (laughs) they're all shit they're all shaving at the same time they're on the locker room shaving and they're like showing off like how manly they can shave well in that case they have to be shaving with that's not a knife (laughs) or no no they're they're so masculine that one man is actually shaving his face with another man Oh my god. Like he's grabbed another man by the face and is dragging his face along his jawline. Look at that jaw. Yeah, he's shaving his jawline with a man's jawline. A jawline so sharp you can shave with it. Exactly. Men, do better. 
Um, <laughs> do you have you guys watched Little Britain? Little Britain? No, that sounds like a thing that I would specifically not watch. Oh, it's a skit show. It's really funny. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. No, who, I haven't. Who, who performs in it? Oh, I can't. Let me see. Little Britain. Isn't that where Fat Amy comes from? Yep. And one of the guys uh, Matt from, Lucas. Yeah, one Sorry. of the guys he's in what's that British the the political one? In the loop. Mm. Anyways, what were you gonna say about it? Oh, it's just it's Matt Lucas and David uh Walliams and David Walliams who also got in hot water for saying something uh controversial recently. Somebody didn't I think he made a Rihanna joke. What it was that about? Oh, I don't know. They're both pretty spicy though. Um, anyway, there's an um, uh, a scene, a skit they did in the in the gym. Like they're super buff, super manly men, and then they're shaving each other's junk. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It's not gay; it's masculine. Exactly. <laughs> and just because we kiss doesn't mean anything either. <laughs> the best a man can get. Great cheese on these abs. Okay, so is it is is it a series? The ad is a series of vignettes, then, where it's it's men doing overly masculine things. Are we making it? Is is there? First of all, not to do like a a MGTOW thing or anything, but is there such thing as toxic toxic femininity? Do we just call that Karenism? <laughs> Karenism. I um, I don't think Karenism is actually gendered. Uh, that's true. Karen, I've I mean, never heard that. The, the female Karens were simply the loudest or the most publicized. It has to do with being entitled and then super, super overtly angry when you don't get your way. Will Smith. Yeah, you um, just have to have a Karen. toddler. You just have to have a toddler tantrum to be a Karen. Exactly. Is it so is the premise of the ad that everything's too masculine, so we're just gonna not give it a gender at all what what would this device or product do to just as a for instance these hard men pumping iron yeah would it make well, them yeah, all androgynous i don't know that because now i'm i'm curious it it because i was gonna say it fixes the situation are we still how are we is it because i i see it now as the blue liquid i'm obsessed with the pouring of the blue liquid yeah so, i uh I I kind of want to reclaim that. I'm that's uh, that's something that women have been taking away from us for all this time. Blue liquid. So I feel like the product is a blue liquid, and then you pour it on yourself, and it 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 lowers your gender spectrum or whatever. It's okay. a to- a topical <laughs> lotion or whatever. <laughs> oh, a topical lotion. Just, that's good. Just apply it over your head. From the makers of the blue pill, it's blue liquid or blue gel or whatever. Blue goo. You could you could have someone like dumping on their head like after, you know, when people like are run, running marathons and they take the water and they like splash it on themselves. Oh, it's it's in the Gatorade cooler. Oh, yeah. Oh, is this so is it sort of like a Snickers commercial then is we have people who are acting out of pocket. So they're surrounded by people who are all acting fairly normal, and then somebody's being toxic, and then somebody has to pull them aside and say, hey, man, you're being toxic. You need a little bit of blue goo. Oh, yes. And then you dump it on them, and then how how, then how does like, it change ooh, invisibly? I have an idea. Go ahead. Right on me. It could, it, could be, it could be like a, um, uh, a man and a woman at a bar, 
and the man's trying to pick up the woman and the woman doesn't like isn't feeling it because he's being all toxic masculine and she just like pours the blue liquid on him and it like you know oh she she raises her hand and gives a significant look to the bartender mm. and who delivers a pitcher of blue goo and she's oh like, mate you need a blue goo <laughs> <laughs> and and so and so she proceeds to then pour that pitcher of blue goo over this toxic fella what yeah. what happens to him <clears throat> that's the other part I do want to acknowledge that this is exactly what we need, though, because the two of us, Tucker and Todd, we don't have the first clue about what actual toxicity is. We're nincompoop. So when you when you say the specific situation of a man hitting on a woman, that's a great example. And that's what we need. So we just need that and two more examples of men being toxic. And then those are the situations okay. we're going to we're going to cure. Well, he's hitting okay. he's hitting on her in a toxic way. Right. Yeah. Presumably, she's yeah. made it clear that she's not into it, and he Absolutely. and he persists because he's under the impression that women are obligated to give him attention in return for his attention. That's toxic. I follow. I follow an Instagram page called Beam Me Up Soft Boy, which is okay. basic. It's it's just people who send in like the worst dating app interactions. Um. Uh Oh, I need to follow. That's this. like that's like the subreddits for nice guys and nice girls, where it's nothing but yeah horror stories of and and I like watching both lanes because they're both incredible nightmares. I love them a lot. Um, and some of them, the my favorite is just like the there's there's the trope that my favorite trope is a very aggressive like first message of like I bet you don't even know the thing that you claim you know about and then the next message a couple minutes later which is like you have mental health problems <laughs> <laughs> but if it doesn't end in somebody insisting that the recipient should kill themselves then I'd still consider it a win oh yeah definitely because that's, that's how pretty much every one of the uh, one of the nice girls and nice guys things ends up that's where I'm going to draw my inspiration from. Unless, uh, Jess, do you have uh, a specific example of like a worst, um, most toxic come on situation scenario? Uh, like a personal one or yeah, one or, or a, a, a mutual one that you wouldn't mind sharing if you kept it anonymous or whatever? Um, hmm. I mean, does like vague stalking count as toxic masculinity? I don't know. Well, so stalking is a thing. Would you? Um, would you? No, count that as thing, another... I think. I think stalking is unisex, although it's definitely more overtly perpetrated by guys. By men, yeah. Um, and plus, I think that's a little too serious for the ad. We need something like a little more yeah, lighthearted. Something that's low impact, like a guy <laughs> who's just maybe he's actually kind of oblivious oh is it george mcfly trying to peep from a branch <laughs> sure all of the all the examples i can think of are like men doing stuff to women and the woman like throwing the blue goo at them maybe it's a maybe there's room to manufacture like some kind of blue goo grenade mm. a blue goo grenade or like a blue goo aerosol blue goo. Tactical blue goo, you just kind of pull the pin and roll it over and it just poof. Mm, mm. I thought, okay, sorry. God, it's another guy-girl thing. But anyway, That's they're fine. at the gym. At the gym. 
you know, dude's like pumping iron and he keeps like looking at the girl, like, look at me, check me out. I'm pumping iron. What's up? And she's like, ugh, like grenade bombs. Him. Okay. And now, and now we've reached the other part. What's it do to him though? Oh, right. Yes. Okay. So in the, in the first, I mean, scenario... I'm, I'm totally on board with this premise. I just, we just need to hammer out what it does. Well, yeah, because you're the the premise now is you're giving more examples that are kind of similar to each other. Kind of reinforces that the ad is just, or not the ad, but the product itself has a very specific use. Like these are the uses that you can use it for. They're all kind of similar. It just, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've we've yeah, established it, the problem that it's supposed to solve. How does it solve it? What's it do it to this it? guy? Does it well, does it physically make him less masculine? Does it shrink his delts? Or does it just change kind of his general energy and behavior? I guess it just, I guess the idea is that it does just it give him detoxifies it. Is it, so, so is it, so is it, is it a regendering product or is it simply just the detox? Cause we talk about it being toxic masculinity. It just takes the toxic out of it. We don't want to, do we want to totally, totally degender the person with the product or do we just detoxify? I think, I think it would probably be safer to go with detoxify. Then, then we're kind of just saying, just take the edge off. Little too, you're gonna need less edge on that. And then, and then, then that works with visually. I can almost sort of imagine where the guy is. Well, actually, since if it's sort of like the Snickers thing, where the guy's overly toxic, he's actually he looks like Mad Max mode. And then after he gets mm -hmm. blue goose sent on him, he he turns I don't know ideal kind of like pat, pat, yeah patches on the elbows, kind of just a normie. Yeah, mm -hmm. he. He doesn't necessarily go to ordinary, but he becomes more average instead of woo, whatever that is. And that's that's probably what we should have been kind of really focusing on from the start is that these examples are supposed to be like super extreme. This guy right, so. looks like he came out of Road Warrior. Yeah, so he's, we can we can a, visually he's do got that, a metal yeah. jaw bolted on. What is up with him? He's basically behaving like a pirate. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I heard him say "ar" once. Hmm. Is the so product yeah, we're we're basically we're starting at 100 and we're taking it down to like a nice seven five. And if we're showing multiple examples, can the does the ad do a little bit of time travel where we go back to different periods where people are being like exaggerated versions of how toxic they'd be back then? It's like it works with time travel. Oh, I like that. And is it funny to do it to a woman just once who's getting carried away? Oh, 100%. Just like, oh, yeah, definitely. Just like uh, right at the tail end of the ad. It's like, and don't worry, it works on women too. And then you've got one, might... one, one lady who's like throwing a vase at her husband, and then he just like gives her a spritz. I think you could you, you could even tag that with where you have like a, several examples of men who are being over toxic, being detoxified. And then did you get muted? What happened there? Oh, I, I, don't know. I muted myself so I could clear my throat. Oh, that's a very polite of you. That's your cough button. Yeah, well, since I'm on voice activation, you know, I don't want to do that in your face. No, I appreciate that. I just, I would not have thought to do that. I think I've cleared my throat several times into the microphone. Oh, Anyhow. How rude. Uh, We're going to have to detoxify you. Yes, detoxifying. Okay, so the several examples of men being detoxified, and then an example of a woman being detoxified, and she looks all she looks all crazy and and Mad Max or maybe she's actually oh, uh, what's her name? Well, it's Annabelle. Um, oh, uh, it's, yeah, that that's Annabelle. that's Annabelle to a T. She is a it's space pirate, toxic. like she's a cybernetic space pirate. If there is okay, such a then, thing as toxic femininity, it's her. She puts her boot heel through men's necks. 
So she gets detoxified, and maybe that can actually like lead into an episode someday where we still see her like experiencing. She's come slightly back up the spectrum, but there's residue or whatever. But anyways, the final tag. <laughs> Every now and then she pets the dog. After the, it works on women, too. So we see the, her, the she pirate being de- de- detoxified. And then it cuts to another woman who is screaming and, and um, getting out of key. Oh, no, maybe that doesn't work. Maybe it's one of those ladies who screams at the cops. Well, I was going to ha- do a joke where it's there's a woman screaming and being toxic and then you throw the blue goo on her and it turns out that it was a man. But I don't see how that actually makes any sense. That's too spicy. <laughs> I think that's it. I think we're good. Do we have? I, I also right right after that, after it's like it works on women, too. I think that's the time for the introduction of the, the tactical blue goo, where it shows a very brief scene of somebody doing a breach and clear where they pull the pin and roll it in like it's a smoke grenade or a flashbang. Works on an entire toxic room. Oh, that's interesting. Somebody throws Ooh, like a... Yeah, somebody throws it at like a Unite the Right rally. <laughs> <laughs> or a frat party? Yeah, I suppose a frat party is very likely to contain a few of those kind of doofuses, I... but I'm pretty sure at a Unite the Right rally, it will turn everybody into not quite a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, a car auction. Everybody's there chanting blood and soil, and then suddenly the blue grenade goes off. Oh, that's interesting. A sporting event. Bane shows up. I've gathered you all here. <laughs> Nobody cared who I was until I pulled the pin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's gone on long enough. We've we've kept Jess for long enough. I think we've designed our ad. All right. We have... We have we have squeezed the juice out of this lemon. I think so. Are you happy with it? I'm yes. happy with it. Yeah. I'm happy. Okay. Oh, Did the... you want to do... Oh. Da- is there a wand version? Oh, I just... No, it's fine. I like the the blue goo is good. I just thought of it. But... We no start off. We start off trying to call it Blue Goop, and then what's her name comes in and sues us. Gwyneth, so we have to Gwyneth put... Paltrow gets all up in our business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry, Ms. Paltrow. We would never want to use your goop. Speaking of which, could you look over there for a moment? Splash. <laughs> um, did you want to do this stroke waffle? Oh, no. We, we sort of talked about that last week. We kind of rushed through it. I don't think we have. Okay. What, what did you add to it? I didn't. I saw there's something about cardboard. Oh, yeah, like really overselling the, the flavor. For some reason, in my imagining, it... It tastes a lot like Captain Crunch. Ooh, oh. yeah, definitely. Well, because Jess doesn't know, Jess doesn't know that even though we talked about the the silly ads, that we've already introduced this product in several episodes where it's like treasured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this is the kind of thing that somebody breaks into a burning building to rescue. Mm. It's like Scooby Snacks. Yeah, it's 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 going to define everything we do from now on. I think. But we've introduced so many products, and it's occurred to me that the blue pill, the last ad that we did, was a product that we did in a, in a uh, sketch. So maybe a lot of the ads we end up doing are, are, ad, are uh, products that we've introduced in in gags already. We can do some and, of those uh, acne uh, products. And we've got our mm-hmm. our D&D game, but I think it should become D&D&D because now it's dictators, despots, and demagogues. Oh, okay. D3. Ooh. That's that's a like an event that's 
all it, that's our comic con for the D and D. That's fun. Anyways, thanks Jess for joining us. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you you're for your contributions. We would have still always been... welcome in the studio. Thanks. Yeah, anytime. All right, I will talk to you guys next week. I do. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. And now back to the show. Um. Okay. So that's this scene. They stay out. They're in the diner. Oh yeah. Uh, they duck their heads down. They have their little conversation while the cops are being arrested by the the chronological order for violating linear time. Are we going to follow the chronological order out, or are we going to stay with our buddy cops? Well, I was almost wondering. Yeah, that would be a good transition to follow the order out, and so we're with them, and we know what they're up to. But maybe would our buddy cops fo- follow them back to where they're going? Like we, these guys haven't been seen in public for however long. If they're making themselves known or whatever, if they're making moves, oh. then maybe we should see what they're up to. That's that's a good point. They definitely wouldn't be acting like super publicly like that unless things were serious. But of course, the whole, you know, everything is falling apart at the seams is pretty serious. And I'm going to assume that uh, the other cops, since now that we've got buddy cop as just a sort of catch all term for these two guys who aren't cops. And then we've got our actual cops, (laughs) which I've only just now realized is a bit confusing. It is. But our actual cops probably took advantage of one of these temporary wormholes, which which is why the chronological order is here to get them. That's that's a clear violation of linear time. And right. it's probably like begging them to leave. They're so nice. They're insufferable. Oh, does the alphabet alphabet? Oh, because this was the chronological order they took. them. I was going to say the alphabetical order comes after them. Um, because they, they end their sentences with A. They say A is supposed to be at the beginning or whatever. <laughs> they wind up just going from prison to prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is an opportunity for us to see what the alphabetic alphabetical order has been up to. Uh, maybe this prisoner transport gets hijacked by the alphabetical order who are like, we're arresting him first. Technically, we arrested him first. Well, then we're arresting him now, I guess, because they're not going to do things chronologically. So we're, we're arresting him now. That's interesting. Well, we're arresting him now. You arrested him before. We're arresting him now. How's that for chronological? Chronological society's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Hoisted on our own petard. What are we under arrest for? You keep ending all your sentences in A. Well, yeah. Well, A comes first. Well, you got us there, I guess. They sure do, eh? Smack with a baton. <laughs> I do like. So, is it a, a whole like action movie sequence of the like in 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 any time? I'm I guess I'm imagining um, the Dark Knight or something like that. Like it's a prison break of in a in a prison convoy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a uh, there'll be the prisoner transport vehicle, and it'll have a small escort of another vehicle or two. And I'm going to assume they get boxed in at a set of lights or something. By the other order. Yeah. I'm I'm going to assume that they actually non-violently box them in, but then also like pull out rocket launchers and stuff totally unnecessarily. But only after they've successfully boxed them in. Don't go anywhere. Ching rocket launcher. 
is there just something like a, like a vulgar display of power? I was going to say, is there some way in which they alphabetically box them in? But I can't think of anything. Oh, it's done as the letter B. B formation. Go, go. <laughs> it's just like one flat line and then two two balls. Wow. <laughs> they do it slightly incorrectly so that from an aerial perspective, it does look like a dick. Makes their squad leader kind of angry. I was just thinking of other letter things, B lines. One thing, one thing we didn't elaborate on is any kind of scene set on the Abaddon station between Jeff Bridges and the executives there. Yeah, I kind of breezed over it. This is like the handing over of the keys scene. Yes, I assume it would actually be quite brief because Bridges probably knows exactly what he's being summoned for and has already decided to just hand it over. So he might even cut them off mid-sentence kind of thing. He'd be like, you know what? Here, throw over a set of keys. Actual keys. They you still land in use the wrong fishbowl. <laughs> they land in a fishbowl. There are fish in this fishbowl. Oh, I thought it, there's just a bunch of other keys, and, and he accidentally gets sw- swooped up into the key party. <laughs> there, there should be a number of fishbowls. One of them is for a key party. I think maybe... The, the keys will do a slow motion kind of thing where it's like a, a dramatic basketball scene where it's the keys are going to kind of glance along the rim and it looks like they're about to fall into the wrong the wrong fishbowl only for them to actually bounce off and land in an actual fishbowl with fish in it. Just several fishbowls set up on a desk. Yeah, <laughs> why are they in the fishbowl? Why are they even there? And then Animal come, Annabelle comes by and puts her keys in the in the key bowl. What has she got to lose? Her keys. Th- those are definitely not actually her keys. She stole them from somebody for sure. And this is her fake keys for the key party. Yeah, for later when everybody decides who they're bringing home at this swinger get together. That doesn't exist and we're never going to discuss again. <laughs> no. So he hands over the keys, but he definitely needs to have trouble squeezing into the hangar in the ironmonger suit. And maybe he's so intimidated that he keeps it on during the meeting. So he's he's sitting at the end of a table on, on top of a crushed chair. Oh, that's interesting. Was there a reason that he couldn't get it? You said because he's intimidated. Maybe he's intimidated or he broke the zipper on it. Uh, that's kind of funny. He just he can't get it off. This fucking thing won't come off. So then they just he just kind of shuffles his way in awkward awkward moment very similar to trudeau's table dragging yeah sets sets himself down at the end of the table crunch there goes the chair sorry i'll pay for that don't worry about it let's just get underway and he's like right somebody in the room starts to comment on the chair to really tied the room together and he he interrupts them that's the my only joke over and over again it tied the room together (laughs) don't say it (laughs) oh man that chair really tied ah yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Save it for later. And he's pointing a big ironmonger suit finger over there at him. No, that's bad. So we he explains that he understands why he's been called over, and he agrees that it is time that he he returns fantasology to its creator. Yeah, he should sort of preempt them. Like we don't need to drag this whole thing out. I don't need you to slap my wrist or whatever. Here's the keys. Yeah, I know. I know why I'm here, and that's fine. I agree. Here you go. And maybe instead of the fishbowl gag, he just 
the ironmonger suit flicks the keys at Elrond hard enough to to uh, send the guy back through the door, <laughs> or maybe through an Elrond shaped hole in the wall. Go full Looney Tunes, and then he can proceed on his way to that portal where he did go on to meet Columbo. Oh yeah, and now, yeah, and now he still has the suit to get out of there, right? Yes, he he has the suit. That's how he gets out of it; is it gets destroyed. That makes otherwise otherwise he'd still be stuck in it. Oh, and maybe that's why he was having the emotional moment with it when it was broken was because earlier in the scene when he's like, he can't get the zipper undone, he's cursing it. So he's like setting up the the, oh. the relationship with the suit. Now he feels bad. I wish you <laughs> yeah. would just get destroyed. It's like that kid who's like, oh, I wish my mom would get hit by a truck. Next oh, rather than it. getting... <laughs> rather than getting just simply destroyed does it like it sinks in the swamp of sorrows it has a, we have an Artax <laughs> <Artax. team. laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember being in preschool and watching that scene and there was a large pile of people who started losing their minds <laughs> And I was watching I, the entire thing, unaware of the relationship between this boy and this horse. Yeah, exactly. I and remember, I was just like, I, why is the horse sinking? And why is he so sad about it? I don't think it struck me either until I watched it again as a teen. And then as a teen, it like really emotionally ruined oh, me. Oh, yeah. I definitely revisited that scene later with a totally different set of eyes. But and yeah, I, uh, I still sometimes wake up in a cold sweat. Artax. <laughs> I had, yeah, I don't think I had any emotional connection to the movie. I just loved it as a kid. I remember. Yeah, it did it not. And I it think... did not resonate emotionally with me at all because the the context of the entire thing escaped me. To me, it's it was not, just it's not that I was a little. Yeah, it's not that I was a little sociopath that didn't didn't have any empathy. It's that I didn't. I I just lacked the information. I was ignorant. I was an ignorant little shit. I brought it into my, I don't know about preschool. It was in my second grade class. I brought it into the, I don't know how often it happened, but I remember like insisting that the teacher let us watch it as a, like a movie day thing. And we dedicated the whole school day to watching never ending story, which maybe that does make you a sociopath to put, uh, inflict your, your, your classmates of, uh, inflict that upon your classmates. Only if you knew that it would do them harm and you just didn't care. I know one kid threw up. I remember that. <laughs> That's a pretty extreme reaction. I think I think everybody. OK, it wasn't it wasn't preschool. It was a before and after school program because oh, yeah. I think I was either in kindergarten or the first grade. So I was six or seven, but no, nobody threw up. I think I was the only person who threw up that entire year and it had nothing to do with being sad. It was it had to do with being a kid. I feel like there was just the point. Those <laughs> yeah, first, there's just those first couple of years of school. Somebody's always throwing up or getting a nosebleed. <laughs> or somebody yeah. always has a broken arm. Ooh, there's another thing that I was thinking about recently. The kids were always doing that. It's like you never see that anymore. I can't remember what it was. There's a lot of things I never see kids doing anymore, but that's just because I'm never around them anymore. Yeah, that's true. Back in those days, I was. Suspicious. Oh, I remember what it was. I was very there's... suspiciously always around kids. There was always a kid. There was always got. You know what I haven't seen for a long time is an ice pack. Oh, There's a, there was always a kid with a Ziploc bag full of ice wrapped in paper towel. That was just a every hour. There was somebody holding an ice pack on something. 
and it was always on their elbow or on their head or on their hand. <laughs> always getting hurt. And it was mostly because of monkey bars, I feel like. Oh, I fell through the monkey bars and chipped a tooth once. I, w- I shouldn't have been standing on top of them or pretending I could walk on water. But uh, yeah, like- there, nobody threw up because of the never ending story. But there were so many tears and, and a river of snot shed over it. <laughs> of course. Uh, so uh, I think what I'm trying to say is, yes, the Ironmonger suit sinks into this. this one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it sinks in and he, he, he grabs it by the reins because now it has reins. Artax. Oh, he's just full. He's losing it. That kid acted. That was some scene chewing. Scenery chewing. Oh, Artax, yeah. you're sinking. He... I think that's part of the the severe resonance that I I got later. It was almost it was almost like I had built up a charge from the very first time when I didn't understand it, so that when I finally did understand it, it was actually that much more poignant. And and that severe case of overacting, that scenery chewing, <laughs> that's what made it so strong. The stronger his reaction, the stronger my reaction. And now the only thing that makes me cry nearly as much is when Bruce Willis throws Ben Affleck out of the out of the ship and dies. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, what is that? Armageddon. When Liv oh. Tyler is crying and saying goodbye, Daddy. <laughs> All I can think about is Liv Tyler crying, and I'm like, oh God, what did arrogant Aragorn die? Or but no, it was Bruce Willis, someone even more precious to me than Aragorn. I feel bad for Bruce Willis these days. He's not in any good movies anymore. I really liked Red. I liked Red. Have you heard of the operating uh, assumption that Bruce Willis has dementia? I have not heard that, but I haven't. I haven't really seen any evidence for it besides Demi Moore. The evidence for it is that he's just been doing this slew of like nobody's seen or heard of them movies. He's just trying to make as much money off of doing these little like Z roles as possible. And I guess he can't remember any of his dialogue in any of them. I have a feeling that that has something to do with the same thing that Marlon Brando is doing is that he just didn't care anymore. Yeah, it could be. He's getting old now. He doesn't really want to do this anymore, but he's expected to do it. I don't think his heart's in it anymore. I don't know. See how your heart. I don't see how anybody does anything for more than five years at a time, but especially like 15 or 30 or whatever. Being in films is something that I could imagine doing for a very long time, so long as they were different enough. But he's been in the same movie 60 times. (laughs) He's been playing the same guy for his entire life, yeah. Yeah, like every single one of them has been a different flavor of John McClane. Okay, how should we wrap some of this up? Okay, so Columbo and Bridges just viewed the altercation between the orders as the... unwilling hostage exchange. I suppose it's prisoner exchange. They just took our cops. They took our nice Fargo cops. Those are some nice boys from Minnesota. They took them. And now the alphabetical order is racing away towards their compound. And also they're making immediate use of one of the portals because they aren't subject to linear time. Oh, so with, do we have the buddy cops, the Jeff and... Columbo, are they observing from afar as this this exchange takes place and then they are able to muse to each other like both orders are active right now? Suppose the uh, the emergence of the chronological order 
during a time when time is starting to get loosey-goosey makes perfect sense, but they would probably be pretty confused as to why the alphabetical order is also getting really active. I know that we know why. They're hoping to take right. advantage of the situation. But would our would our fellas figure that out? Because they were, yeah, the first they were introduced to, in the diner they were introduced to chronological order. They follow, they get held up and exchanged with alphabetical order. Who they oh, yeah, so that would be the... Yeah, it makes sense to me. So that they would they would muse that it makes sense to me that the chronological order is active and trying to do something about these portals. But what is yeah? But now what, the alphabetical what are order the alpha, is what are the alphabeticals stakes in this? Right. What do they care if time gets upside down? So they, do they decide then to go off and investigate that? Let's follow them and see what's going on, and maybe we can save those nice kind boys. I think Bridges would probably insist that they go and save the nice kind boys. Columbo doesn't give a shit, but he does want to know what the alphabetical order is doing. So that is definitely the direction that they should be going in. Too All bad right, they just you disappeared are the angel on my portal. shoulder. They just disappeared oh, yeah. through a portal, which, you know, we've got an outside entity sitting there in a trench coat. You've been closing portals all day, Columbo. Why don't you open one and follow them? Oh, fine. You are the angel on my shoulder. On one condition, you know, I get to smoke in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and one more thing. <laughs> and then they go. Yeah, he's Col got to do Columbo... a list. I've, I've got yeah. conditions. He gives his list and one more thing. I smoke in the car. I get to smoke in the car. With the windows up. <laughs> that makes everybody in the entire diner cringe. <laughs> that's, that's like farting in an elevator. It's just bad to do. Like having a very public cry. Just basically forcibly subjecting everybody around you to you at your worst. Or slapping a comedian. On live television in front of an audience. <laughs> when you're a role model. One of the role models, role models. That was very funny that he screams twice, keep your wife's name out my fucking mouth or whatever he says. And it made me keep think your of wife's that. name out my fucking mouth. Yeah. Keep my wife's name <laughs> out your fucking mouth. Keep, yeah. <laughs> keep <laughs> I got to cut the order. <laughs> keep your wife's dick out my fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it reminded me of that uh, Eminem, Will Smith, don't, Will Smith don't got a cuss in his rhymes to sell records. Well, I do. Well, Will Smith don't got a cuss in his rhymes, but he does have to cuss on public TV to keep Oscar ratings up. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't think it was staged. I think he was an idiot. No, I've I've come around. At the, well, the problem was, is I was only seeing clips. So my introduction to it was I was seeing thumbnails all over the place of like the slap heard around the world, which I think I already asked this, but wasn't that the Archduke Ferdinand line? The shot heard around the world? Yeah, isn't that where that comes from? Or was that Kennedy? Uh, it sounds like the shot heard around the world is a phrase that refers to the opening shot of the battles of Lexington and Concord in April 19th, 1775, which began the American Revolutionary War. Ah, okay, Revolutionary War. Anyways, I thought it was kind of funny, like taking a line that the the herd around the world is a is a war starting line, and then we're we're slapping it onto this goofy uh, interaction that took place at a, yeah. an awards ceremony for a bunch of circle jerking wannabes. Yeah, it, it it's uh, it's a dumb altercation between a man child and an aging comedian, <laughs> like. Every single aspect of it is sad. Yeah. 
And once again, the 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 as we kind of pointed out, how quickly it just changes. One thing, uh, one take that I enjoyed was, uh, can you imagine if Trump was still president? This is all that anybody would be talking about. And if anybody tried to to bring the concentration back to the war crimes being committed across the pond, it, it would there would be people like happily bringing it back to. But okay, but Trump only wants to talk about Will Smith. If Trump was still president, Ukraine would probably be in ruins all the way to the border. Oh, of Poland. Poland would be in ruins. Austria would be in. Yeah. Ruins. Yeah. America would finally have pulled out of NATO and then the entire situation would have destabilized because as soon as one thread starts pulling, they all start pulling. So I, well, I, I think I think uh, Europe and other Western nations would have pretty badly failed to galvanize and unify in the way that they so magnificently have. If that, you know, bloated Cheeto was still president. <laughs> well, he's still doing interviews claiming that if he was still president, like when he was president, the relationship with Russia was the best it's ever been. And he was oh, the only yeah. reason that Putin has been sane for the past over many years. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was so hard on Putin with how hard he was tongue in Putin's nutsack. <laughs> and that's that's exactly what he would still be doing, because. That's basically what our make make believe version of Trudeau is. He's he's a wannabe authoritarian. Yeah. And an obvious demagogue. He idolizes autocrats and dictators. He doesn't play tough with them. He pats them on the back. Yeah, he aspires to their uh, legacy. Yeah, he respects them and he wants to be them. And I think that has everything to do with the fact that he's a businessman, or at least he thinks yeah. he is. Businesses are run authoritarian style why does anybody think a business person would make a good president because all they hear is the word leadership yeah very different kinds of leadership businesses are not a democracy they are authoritarian which is hilarious because under at least theoretically on paper in communism business is a democracy while the political system is a dictatorship yeah so it's the exact reverse in our system so yes, someone who's very used to being a dictator, an authoritarian in the business in their business sense is now in a political sense where they're not allowed to do any of the stuff that they've been conditioned to think is the correct way to do everything. Crazy that that didn't work out. Anyway, tune in again next week on Everybody's an Idiot with Me. <laughs> tune in again next week on uh, on on our episode about how everybody's still an idiot but me. Should we should we ch officially change the title of the podcast just so that we might actually get some more clicks out of intrigue? I think some of the ones with spicy words in the titles get a lot of special clicks, like the nefarious turf pit got a lot more yeah. traffic than just about any of the other casts. It does, and uh, yeah, it did make it did set off a little uh, thing in my brain going. Maybe I should be a bit more clickbaity. We need to be hopping on trends a little bit harder. Two basically forces people to do that because of the way the algorithm works. Yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah, I. Uh, but uh, I mean, my integrity is not worth much. No. Did I tell you that I briefly started? I watched a video on like how to gain a thousand viewers in a month or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I started following the steps and it was actually working. But then the moment it started, it, like the first few days of it working made me go, "Woo, this is exciting. I actually want to follow this carrot for a bit. But after a couple days of following the carrot, it's like, I'm just following a carrot. I hate this. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Carrot on a stick. That's not good enough. Yeah. I don't even like carrots.
Yeah, come back with a sautéed raccoon's asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me some deep-fried tortellini shells, then I'll follow that on a stick all over the place. Something with a bit of protein. Yeah, and some cheese. Oh, carbs and cheese. You know, like a nice big piece of garlic toast. Yeah, give me some chicky nuggies on a stick. I'll follow those around. (laughs) Chicken tendies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mommy made me some microwave chicken tendies. She put them on a stick. I got a job. That's great. Okay, so does the scene end with our buddy cops driving into this outside portal and then it closing behind them. I think that's a pretty good ending. It tells us we know what they're doing. And it means they're going Mm. into the outside, which is where we've basically left the rest of the cast. Oh, that's a really good point. And it's a, it's an opportunity for them to encounter each other during the, this, this little chase. Yeah, I agree. And since, well, cause we have so many different authority like police uh, departments in the outside that we've already come into contact with, they can start kind of uh, crisscrossing with each other. Is the alphabetic order the, uh, are they, are they actually that part? Are they located in that church in Kansas? Oh, there was something in there. Wasn't there? There was. And I forget if we had really hammered out what it was or if it was like a one-time jokey group that was just in there. Oh, man. I will have to go back and figure... I can't I can't imagine that I can search for it. Because naturally, the chronological order would not have anything to do with that place, but the alphabetical order has no reason to stay out. Right. And if they're feuding with the chronological order, it's probably the best place to have their headquarters. The only text when I search cult within the side scroller thread, it mentions fantasology activity in the church, but that it doesn't we're not committed to anything. I haven't put anything in there in the game yet. Uh, I definitely recall us discussing them being like outside cultists, which does fit our fantasology thing. But that doesn't necessarily preclude them being members of the alphabetical order or having ties to them, at least. Yeah, that I mean, we could establish at some point saying that Phantasology branched off from one of these orders at some point. It may well have, and they may still have cordial relations. Yeah. Relations that are being dusted off now that the outside and reality are kind of becoming buddy cops themselves. But that would be interesting. So we're saying that the alphabetical order has a headquarters in the outside. Would they... Is that because because of the chaotic nature, they are able to have better access to time reordering technology or whatever? It's easier for them to reorder time alphabetically from there. Okay. Oh, and because and because the outside in its nature goes against the nature of uh, linear time chronology, the outside goes against chronology. So the chronological order never goes there to pursue them. Yeah, that's that's exactly what makes it such a great headquarters is where's the best place to run away from your enemy is the place will they will never, ever go. Exactly, because it's their antithesis. Yeah, that whole place is anathema, anathema. Okay, I like that. It's one great big no, no zone so they can take shelter with their friends in fantasology. Their card carrying members. Yeah, 
actually they probably should be a splinter group within the fantasology cult there that are kind of just in it for convenience they have they have ulterior motives oh that's interesting especially if one is a splinter group of the other like there are still some people that are part of the other that are like orthodox um chronologists or, or orthodox alpha alphabeticists or al- and, and orthodox the, and the thing is is the uh the alphabetic order is premised on kind of using the outside for their own ends, which would likely be regarded as heresy by a lot of the proper outside cultists. Because if if the outside is the object of worship, then you don't use it. Oh, right. Because we said that the people who were there were sort of like children of Adam. Yeah. Right, right, right. But that doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, wolves in the hen house. Yeah, for sure. So that, that that's a place that they could easily integrate with and use as a safe place. Because, yeah, of course, okay, the, like chrono- the alphabetical order still has lots of business interests and other ties in the real world where they, they ply their library trade, the Dewey Decimal System, for St. Dewey. For St. Dewey and his card index. Yeah, that's who they pray to. Do the do. Do the do. It's like doing the station. It's like doing a praying the rosary or whatever. The stations of the cross. You have to like co- contemplate each decimal point or whatever. Oh yeah, there's uh there's got to be some kind of gesture for the Dewey decimal system. Anyhow, I think anyhow this is, I think this is this whole episode. I think that as well. The last scene is them driving through the portal. We'll catch up with them next episode. Yes. There, there are many spinning plates that we, we want to catch up with. But we finally dealt with the orders and our buddy cops. Yeah, we brought them into it. I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah, we had some laughs. This was a good episode. I, yeah, you know, I was uh, warmed over shit last week. Me too. I was, I was pretty tired. <laughs> I was dragging my heels with the whole thing. It was still funny. I, I, I agree. I laughed at it upon listening to it. It just... We weren't laughing. It wasn't high energy. We've done that before, too. Yeah. Where we're we're low energy, but we still deliver. We just aren't laughing along with it at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm very confident in the ideas that we have. I'm, I never don't like, I never don't like, I don't believe in not doing double negatives, and I enjoy using them. So I'm just, I never don't <laughs> like. I've already lost track of where we are with our, this. Our, our content. I can't follow double negatives. No. I can't not fail to follow double negatives. <laughs> Is that a triple negative? I can't not fail. Well, see, that's where I start getting frustrated when when people say that fail, a fail double is a ne- negative value. I hate that. I don't think that should factor into the language. I don't think you should not be able to say a, a negatively charged word like fail or or deny. I can't deny. You're supposed to say. I can approve or whatever the opposite. I dislike that. I don't think that should be a rule. I, I, well, first of all, I don't believe in rules in the first place. I do believe in negative language, but I don't believe it's bad. Right. I believe that sometimes the only clear way to communicate something is using negative language. I think the only rules for language, it should be to stop using as many commas. Less commas, that's it. Fewer. Yes, fewer. Okay, we're using words correctly. <laughs> if we want if that's what we want to talk about, then we're going to do it. <laughs> fewer commas. That's it. That's my only rule. Yeah, uh, fewer or just none, people. And no semicolons. What? I love the semicolon, even though oh, nobody boy. knows how to use it correctly. That's why I hate the semicolon. 
Oh, so instead of educating people, we'll just, just get rid of it completely. Yes. Censorship of all if, unexplainable if, things. You're right. If we can't teach people not to slap, we're just going to have to take everybody's hands. Yeah. Um, I'm a, now a Wahhabist. Is that a thing? I think that's a sect of Islam. Those are the really aggressive, violent, cut their hands off uh, Muslims. Oh, the real eye for an eye, guys. Yeah. Hammurabi would be proud. I used to believe in eye for an eye. I don't think I do anymore. I think everybody should just leave each other alone. <laughs> I don't think inflicting the same grief on a guilty person makes the world any better or fixes anything. No. That's retribu retributive justice. And I think it's kind of an oxymoron because it doesn't create any justice. It creates punishment, sure. But if it doesn't like repair or otherwise, you know, mitigate the, the negative circumstances, then it really does nothing. It just makes people feel that sort of primal, vengeful good sense. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, that, my problem is that I still subscribe to the George Carlin human rights deal of I should have the right to do whatever. I, I, I have the right to do whatever disagree, I want. Right, and if you disagree, you disagree, right you have the right to, to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to find a fairer fucking deal than that? <laughs> I, I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm also not a person. I'm not like one of these like neoliberal uh, 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 libertarians who thinks that if 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 like the, what's the word ethical anarchism or whatever ethical anarchy is it? I don't Let's know. I don't have I don't have hopes and dreams that society can just become a utopia. I have hopes and dreams about that, but I don't recognize them as reasonable or likely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, they are simply hopes and dreams. I have a whole yes. bunch of hopes and dreams, and I recognize they're just that. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly it. I recognize that they are hopes and dreams because having studied ethics, I know that it's definitely possible to conceive of and try to do these better things and pursue these higher values. Something like restorative justice, a system where punishment isn't the objective, correction is. Cor correction both of the perpetrator and of the negative circumstances that the per perpetrator has created yeah it involves a lot of it, it involves a lot of education and building things and i mean the problem with that is a you you start running into the problem of like a, a person can only fix themselves if they want to but also Everybody, like, when people start talking about, like, when they were doing the defund the police, send social workers in there. Well, you're, the, you're, so you just want social workers to have to deal with the nightmare? Like, somebody has to still work hands-on with the restorative process, and that's, that's a really difficult thing for people to actually know how to do. I agree, and uh, another major component of restorative justice isn't, isn't just trying to improve the perpetrator, but basically compelling the perpetrator to work hands-on to correct their own wrongs, whether yeah. they want to or not, and whether they believe that it will improve them or not, the rapist still has to build a woman's shelter. 
And then ultimately, I think what ends up happening too is a lot of the people who feel like they, or I guess I don't know how, let me put these words in, maybe they're not in the right order. The people that end up feeling like they're the ones being spoken to about how they're supposed to perceive and view, because part of the education process is not just like the restorative process of of, of the, the perpetrator or whatever, but also how quote unquote society views them and all these things. And the people that end up being educated feel like they're being pandered to and so they dig their heels in and entrench themselves in whatever beliefs they had before yes and you'll find a lot of the time that if all you're trying to do is lecture someone it's like trying to talk to a flat earther yeah because you can't reason somebody out of a position that they didn't reason themselves into precisely i believe Josh Strife Hayes said that really eloquently recently maybe he took it from somebody else but yeah if you arrive at a conclusion without logic, then you cannot be talked out of that conclusion with the same logic that you didn't arrive at the conclusion with in the first place. I may well have stolen that from Josh and not known it because I, I <laughs> like him a lot. I, he's a very eloquent uh, content creator. That's what I'll call him. And he wears a waistcoat. And anytime somebody wants to try to communicate an image to me of, of gamers being these disgusting slobs, I'm like, here, have a, a look, look at, at Josh. Ha, have a look at this very refined gentleman and listen to him talk for a few minutes. That's kind of funny. I like the idea. If there was a period in the early 2000s when all of the uh, like the mainstream punk bands all started wearing like white suits and whatnot. That that was like the look. We're all dressed well dressed rock and rollers. I like the idea that all these like streamers all start. We are now the new the new uh, what do you call it? phase of well dressed streamers. Yeah. They're they're posh, they're elegant, they're dignified. Not not counting like the uh, the the trans uh, essay video essays who tend to dress well in their videos. Are there is there a slew of like oh of Josh some, some of them, wannabes? Some of them do magnificent costume changes too. Yeah, uh, they're elevating it to a new art form. We're definitely not talking about or to them. This isn't for them. They're already well beyond us. Oh, of course. Yeah. We can only hope to one day reach that level of artistry. Yeah. We one day hope to have them as what featured uh, collaborators in our work. Oh, they'll the only they'll be given us the little feature. We're the opening act. Oh, I was trying. I was trying to do it the the opposite way around, where it's like we beg them to give us some sort of notoriety by attaching their name to our work. Oh, I was thinking that it would work much better if they slipped us into one of their things where they have I guess know, that's, a much that's larger audience. They basically platform elevate us. Yeah. Well, whichever way it ends up working, that is one thing that I... Oh, no. What? Don't switch. My computer went to sleep for a second, and then it, uh, Discord wanted to switch my audio device, and I was afraid that it was going to cut off my mic. Well, we should be wrapping this up anyway. Yeah, we're over time. It just it just feels okay because we spent about half an hour doing an ad break. That's true. Uh, yeah, I guess this is the end of this week's episode. Yeah, we just saved the preamble till the end. This is yeah, that's funny. I put it in backwards. This is the preamble now. That's basically what this is. This is our warm up chat. Yeah, cool down chat. Yeah, that's what it is now. Okay, well I gotta go feed my old sick dog. Yeah, me too, actually. But I'm. <laughs> my old yeah, sick dog I, uh, is what I call my mom. 
Oh, well, I got to go feed my old sick dog, who's an old sick dog. One of his hind legs is weaker than the other, so he kind of walks sideways a little bit. It's <laughs> yeah, like a crab. Yeah, he he. It's it's actually more like he's drifting. The hind end, the hind end turns a little bit more than he's the like front a shopping cart. Yeah, so I gotta go make sure he hasn't gotten into any trouble. All right. Well, thanks for doing another recording with me. Thank you, and good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to us, Tucker and Todd, on the Tucker and Todd cast. I don't know how this works. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye, Craig. Oh, I'm still here. Am I?